I just want to start out by saying how excited I am that we can do this today. We are so excited about the opportunity to do this, and it goes without saying that it had its oppositions, and I am sure that if we went around the room right now and everybody told what they have been dealing with over the last week or so, we've probably all had some opposition and some things that uh, we've had to, to overcome personally to be here today. And the opposition will continue. You can be sure of that because this is, um, well, there's a reason why there are only 20 people in the room. Now, there's more than one reason. One reason would be that people are working. And we have some folks that work that would be here if they didn't have to work. Well, I'm glad somebody's working so they can pay the bills, amen? But, but there's another reason why there's only 20 people in the room. If, uh, if no one was working, I, I really still suspect this would not be a packed out house. But I don't want that to sound negative. I want you to be encouraged because you have chosen to be here for this conference to learn some things that are going to make you not only deeper in your walk with God, but make you better able to teach others. So what you get from this, you will take back into your Sundays, your Wednesdays, your daily interactions with not only the people of the church, but the people in your life. And so this will multiply. And sometimes it starts in small groups. And I think a lot about how Jesus did so much with just 12 men. And so uh, we, we have more than that here today. And of course, we'll have many that are watching. We'll be recording these sessions and We'll be uploading them next week so that the rest of our church will have access to them because we want people to to experience this but again very thankful this worked out it is going to be different than originally planned it's shorter it's more concise we won't be able to do everything that we wanted to do but we're still going to try to trust the Lord to get done what needs to be done and I just want to thank you for being here today I want to open with a reminder something that we shared last year in the conference that needs to be shared again and repeated often. St. Benedict, the 6th century monk, he wrote in his Rule of St. Benedict, which was a guide for the monasteries that he founded, always, he said, always we begin again. Always we begin again. If you attended the conference last year, then... Uh, then you may remember some things and you may have forgotten some things. But it doesn't matter because always we begin again. And the truth, the point of that is, is that every one of us here are learners. We're all here to learn. There's no masters of any of this. I was talking with Brother Charlie last night. We are no masters at the things we're teaching. I can assure you of that. I can prove it to you by the tons of stuff that I have wrote down that I want to say. That in and of itself proves that I'm no master because a master doesn't need so many words. We're learners, and we're going to learn in these days together. Benedict also said this. He said, and first let them pray together so that they may associate in peace. So let's do that. Let's open with prayer and let's dedicate ourselves to the Lord for these, these days together. Lord, this is...
for the purposes of these two days, our desert place where we are coming aside, that we can spend time in your presence and that we can learn some spiritual discipline that will help us. And Lord, I've been praying, I'm praying now that we will all enter into that experience of the desert life, the wilderness way, the way of holiness, that our, our hearts will be saturated with good truth in these days to help us learn. Lord, that you will fit us, prepare us, make us better disciples. And Lord, we love you today. And so we give ourselves to you. We give you this, these hours together. May all of it be for your glory and for the growth of your people. May we grow from our hearts outward in all that we experience together. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Isaiah 35, theme and text. See, my time for introduction is already up. I've got to hurry. Here, here, here's an odd thing, Isaiah 35. Look at this, verse 1. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Now this is an odd thing because we might even call it an irony because the wilderness, this solitary place, this desert place is the place where he says you are going to find renewal of life. Now these words have the meaning, uh, the way they're in order, wilderness, solitary, desert. They have the meaning respectfully of an open field, just a, a, a barren open field parched ground and sterile ground. So when you read this verse, God is saying to his people, when you go into the barren, parched, sterile ground, there you're going to find the gladness and the rejoicing and the blossoming of life, and that doesn't make sense. How is that even possible? How is that possible? It's lifeless, and yet the Lord says, go here and find what you need. Let me introduce my other speakers. I almost forgot, as soon as Brother Charlie gets my slide for me. We went off into the desert place ourselves to learn and, and uh, blossom. And uh, how, how's this coming back? There you go. Now he figured it out. And we went on a quest. As you can see, Brother Charlie came prepared for that. But we went on a retreat for a few days, and we spent some time in the wilderness uh, studying and, and talking about the conference and how we wanted it to go and how the Lord was leading us. And, of course, our other two guest teachers today, our brother Charlie Russell, you all will remember him. He's been with us here at the church many times. I asked him if he brought his coonskin hat, but he said he didn't bring it this time, although he does have his fishing hat with him. So uh, either way. And then, of course, Brother Matthew Jones uh, is also going to be one of our instructors in the conference, and we're thankful to have him and his family, or most of them, with us today, but we're, we're glad that they are here and uh, excited to, to hear what the Lord has been giving them. But uh, when we talk about the desert place, I think there are, there are two ways of seeing the desert place, and I just want to kind of frame your mind around what we're talking about in these, in these days together. The desert, one way of looking at it is the desert is a world under curse. You know, if you think about de uh, uh, barren, sterile, parched ground, you think about a place that is just 
universe. There's no life there. And I think about the world that we live in, it's, it's like that. This world's not a place that promotes holiness and righteousness, even though God says here in, in that in the desert there's a way of holiness, verse 8 of Isaiah 35, which is our key text. But it's a, the world that we live in is a dark and a desperate place. It's a wild place of sin. It's a lifeless place in terms of spiritual life. It's a place that's filled with substitutes, alternatives, ways to find what we might call pseudo-joy and pseudo-hope. I've got another picture of a type of wilderness. Now, uh, we've got this wilderness, the wilderness, solitary, desert place. It doesn't look very life-giving. It doesn't look like a place you'd want to try to survive in. And yet God says, go here to this place, and you'll find rejoicing, and you'll find blossoming, and you'll find the way of holiness. But here's this other way of looking at wilderness. Y'all know what that place is? The Mall of America. Anybody ever been? You can confess. Now's the time. Anybody ever wanted to go? You can confess. Now's the time. Okay, at least one honest soul in the building today. Two, thank you, Brother Charlie. And uh, so the Mall of America in Bloomington, Minnesota, we just passed the anniversary of the opening of that mall a couple of days ago. 90, almost 97 acres of blissful shopping and amusement and entertainment. 97 acres. You can see it is multi-storied building structure here okay now that is a perfect picture of the wilderness of this world that is a perfect picture of the pseudo joy and look i'm i i understand sometimes we go into those places because they're fascinating you know we we talked about new york city when cody just went off to new york city for his second mission trip and we were telling him about our experiences of being there i don't i i'll go there and enjoy it and get out you know i definitely would not want to live there but but this place that God calls us to is a place to find the gladness, the rejoicing, the singing. How in the world do we do that in the world that we're living in? I think about what the, uh, the Israelites said in Psalm 137. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? We feel like we're captives. We don't belong here. This isn't our world. You're probably sitting here in this conference because you already sense a lot of that in your life. This world feels very foreign. And it doesn't feel like I belong here, I ought to be here. But the desert, God says, is the way of holiness. There is a way to live in this wild and lifeless place in which my own heart and life can be enriched in the life of God. Let me show you one more picture of desert. We were on the mission trip in New Mexico and Arizona. Not only did we bring home some COVID, but I brought home some, some, uh, some interesting perspective into this whole conference. We went to a place called uh, Canyon de Shea on Monday, probably the day we all got exposed to COVID, just to keep things all uh, over the forefront. But we went to a place called Canyon de Shea, about two hours from where the mission was that we were working. Monday was our wrap-up day, kind of go sightsee and then pack up and get ready to come home. And uh, standing up on top, that first picture you saw earlier, we, we went out and we looked across this canyon and it's just, just, you know, just wasteland looking. But then we walked up the trail a little ways and we took a corner and we walked out where we could see on this direction of the canyon. And if you see down in the bottom of that canyon, there's this line of green trees. Now you're talking about a place that's hot, a place that doesn't have a lot of what you think of as, as the life and lushness that you would want to have. In the bottom of that canyon, there's a pathway. 
And Brother Ness told us that every year during the summertime that the shepherds will bring their herds of sheep and goats and there's a trail that takes them down into the bottom of the canyon and they will bring them through there and water them along that pathway where there is this water that flows in this green lush place growing. And I thought about that. I said, that's what God is saying. He's saying that if by faith you will go into that desert place. By the way, it's desert. Nobody else wants to go there. I mean, we could pack the church house out if we have a big meeting. You know it and I know it. Get a big-name person. Get a big-name singing group. You will have to set chairs out. Now, eh, still in the age of COVID, we probably wouldn't have to set chairs out yet, but you know what I mean. People are into the big, the package, the entertainment, but God says, no, if you want life with me, you've got to go into the place that nobody else wants to go, but there you will find me. There you will find what I'm offering. Let me say this, and I'm going to have to wrap up introduction. So number one, when you look at Isaiah 35, I think there are three primary means of renewable life that God is offering us here in this, in this, uh, this, this chapter and in what we're going to look at. And I think if you look at verse number one and two, you'll see that what he's calling us to is an addressing of the heart of God. He's asking us to turn away from so that we can turn to him. An addressing of the heart of God. Departing from the world and entering into the presence of God. And we learn through this, or we learn this through the disciplines of solitude and separation. The second thing that we will see in this that he's teaching, if you look at verse 3 through 7, and I, I didn't read all of it, but what you'll see is that once we're addressing the, the, the heart of God, then we are ready to be receiving life from God. Very simple formula, but you look at all that's described in verse 3 through 7, people are getting problems fixed, okay? God is offering strength and courage and healing and counseling, all of which we find through these disciplines of meditation and prayer. The spiritual restoration, the spiritual healing Brother Charlie's going to speak about, it's all there. The spiritual warfare that has to be practiced to get it is all there. Here I learned to ask a question. In this desert place, I learned to ask the question, what are you saying to me, Lord? What are you saying to me? The psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 28, My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. And right here in the solitary place is where our wounds are addressed and mended. And I learned to honestly look into my soul and ask, What broken place in me needs to be healed? You won't find that in the party. You won't find that in the big meeting. You won't find that where it's entertainment, distraction, and amusement. You won't find it, but in the desert place, you'll find a place to say, God, what is it inside of me that's broken, that needs your touch, that nobody else can do for me? And then the third thing, and it's found in really verses 8 through 10, is you'll see this capturing the experience and what I mean by that is they come back from this desert place 
with songs and with joy. Something is found there and brought back. Our experience of renewal, of healing, of finding strength, it's captured in the disciplines of studying, of journaling, of gathering. And when we, and, and by the way, the strength of the community is directly dependent upon the solitude of every individual. Until we are willing to go into the desert place and spend time alone with God, we have nothing to bring back to the community. And you want to know why many of the churches are drying up on the vine and dying? Because all they have is a gathering, but nobody brings anything to it. You and I have to go into the desert and to the solitude to find that place in time with God. All right. We're going to practice to this point. We're going to practice journaling this week. Now, you may have a lot of questions about that. You may be somebody sitting here that says, well, I, I, I've never journaled before. I don't, what do I write in the journal? I don't know how to do that. Now, there's no great secrets to it. There's no particular techniques that you have to do. But we're going to give some guided experiences in this as we go through our different sessions. Let me, uh, the word journal, by the way, and journey have the same prefix. In verse 8, the highway shall be there, a way it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools shall not err therein. The wayfaring men, the journey, the journeyers, those that are on the journey, the Latin word for journal and journey, they come from the same Latin word, diurnum, which means by day or daily, the journey, the travel of the day. What you're capturing in your journal is what was your experience of walking with God today? That's it. You're just capturing the experience of walking with God today. The Desert Fathers, I closed with this, the Desert Fathers of the third and fourth centuries, we... I'll refer to them a lot because we're talking about this desert life, but they were the Christian hermits who first forsook all the cities of what they called their pagan world back in their day, and they went into the deserts to be alone. And why did they do that? I know that's a lot on the screen. I'm going to read it. I just want you to be able to see it. According to Thomas Merton, the reasons were many and various, but they can all be summed up in one word as the quest for salvation. Now, don't mix that up. Not salvation like born again, salvation as in deliverance, salvation as in the safety of their soul. Society, he said, was regarded by them as a shipwreck from which each single individual man had to swim for his life and to let oneself drift along passively accepting the tenets and values of what they knew as society was purely and simply a disaster. They were men who did not believe in letting themselves be passively guided and ruled by a decadent state and who believed that there was a way of getting along without slavish dependence on accepted conventional values. So our hope is that while we're here, we'll be just like these desert fathers and mothers that said, I've got to escape from what is the normal society, even church society, because I want something more in which my soul can flourish in the life of God. That's what we are being called to. So... We're going to learn these disciplines of solitude. We're going to learn these disciplines of spiritual warfare, meditation, how to study the Bible. We're going to learn about spiritual healing or restoration. 
And we're going to learn this by learning what it is to enter into the desert place. So, I said we're going to practice journaling as I wrap up the introduction and half of my first teaching session. Who comes up with these schedules? Uh, here's what I want you to do. Take your journal out. I'm going to give you uh, your first practical exercise and journaling session. You're going to be asked to journal throughout these two days, and, and I'll share reasons along the way why that's important. But let me explain the approach to this. As the teacher is teaching, you're going to have a primary task. Listen. Be an active listener. Write down notes in your journal, key points and references and sources. Write down questions that come to mind. And in that sense, you've already began journaling. Okay? So there's the listening, and then the journaling is about capturing the thoughts. What did you hear? Not just from the man talking, what did you hear in your heart? What are you drawn to learn more about as you hear these things? And what is God asking of you? Write those things down. And now with that listening and with that journaling, you're ready for the third discipline of communing. And when we take these breaks, we're going to have these sessions, these times where you're just going to sit quietly and be able to reflect. And it's time to take the meditations and turn them into prayer. It's time to abide in the presence of the Lord. So, let me show you this next slide. This is your first practical exercise in journaling. Uh, I know the print's kind of small. I will read it. So here's your first one. You take your journal. We're going to say go. But as you hear these introductory thoughts about the way of holiness or the way of the desert, what ideas come to mind? What intrigues you about this way? What concerns you? Is there anything at all which you already sense God is saying to you or leading you in? Well, write about that. Put it in your journal for today. What questions are rising in your heart about all of this? Write those down. Okay? That'll be your first journal practical exercise.